Sports Pan on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you in studio with us this Tuesday afternoon. It is Tuesday, and we have a special guest, John Michael Hofling of ABC10. In here a day earlier than usual. I'll explain why in a moment. But what's up, Michael? Oh, not much. Feeling good. Always feeling good. Except you know? you're wearing that Crimson Tide shirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have some family family you know dilemmas with it, so I, I, feel, like, I, feel, it. I feel like I'm a little justified. Trust me, if I didn't have family that went there, I'd hate them just as much as the next guy. All right, I can respect that a little bit more. But I tell you what, John Michael Hofling is in studio with us on a Tuesday rather than a Wednesday. Tyree Smith of ABC10 is going to be with us tomorrow because we have a special show that just worked out for everybody's schedule coming up tomorrow. Here is your chance to watch the sports pen happen live. Tomorrow, the sports pen will be out on location out on Highway 41 because we have a brand new sponsor. <laughs> We will be at Riverside Auto tomorrow on Highway 41. They are our newest sponsor, and we'll be doing the show live on location. You can go and check us out. You can talk a little sports with me afterwards. Glad to have you there. And if you're looking for an excuse to get out there and check out the latest Toyotas, Subarus, Hondas, I think that's what they have out there, that would be your chance. Head on down to Riverside Auto. You can hear from me, Tyree Smith, and Tim Dawson, the owner of Riverside Auto, our newest sponsor here at ESPN-UP. It's going to be a fun show. Dang. Yeah, so dang. it's going right. to be a fancy day. That's a cool one, man. It'll be fun. Dang, I, I, wish, I, I wish I was free on Wednesday now. I wish I, <laughs> I, wish I could have pushed Tyree to this one. Well, I tell you what, we got a lot to get to over the course of the next hour. We're going to have a debate on who is the more reliable wide receiver coming up. There are a few guys that our listeners yeah, yeah. particularly are going to care about. <laughs> the first college football rankings came out yesterday. Season starts in just four days with Week Zero, Miami and Florida can't wait it feels like christmas i've got the fever i know i've got the fever. it's a good one this is the first year that i'm actually going to be super invested in college football Mm -hmm. i'm so excited yeah every year every year i get more invested in football like two years ago i didn't care about the draft and then who's going to get taken with a 38 with a 38 (laughs) overall pick i love draft day i know it's like christmas i know man i love it plus we have nl and al rookie of the year speculation and which nfl quarterback has benefited the most from us seeing him the least. Hmm. But we're going to start with this. I'm going to give John Michael Hoefling a list of some Major League Baseball contenders. He's going to tell me if their World Series window is open or closed and for how long after this season. Open or closed. New segment we have here on ESPN-UP. I tell you what, the Yankees are always going to be in contention for a World Series. In a non-salary-capped league, they are just going to be able to spend whatever they want to get whoever they want. They didn't, for whatever reason, at this year's trade deadline, but their bats are showing that they are still a very probable World Series contender. I am stunned that they didn't get Madison Bumgarner. I know! Why not make a move, at least for anybody? or, or, Or a Trevor Bauer. Or Trevor, Bauer, Trevor Bauer would have been a great Yankee. He would have fit right in there. Oh, I would just hate that. <laughs> I just hate it. So glad oh, yeah, yeah, the I Oh, yeah, I forgot your opinion of the Indians. <laughs> I'm wearing a Twins jersey. I know, yeah, I know. You're in a, I like Rosario, too. Uh, he's my favorite. Yeah. Rosario is my new favorite since Dozier was traded last year. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, the Yankees window is probably going to be open next year and many years to come. Yeah, we'll say open until some meteor hits planet Earth. The Dodgers have a similar financial situation, yet I'm not so sure that their window is still going to be open after this year. They might still be the dominant force in the National League, but if they don't win it this year, is that it? They have to go through another rebuild. Well, it's crazy because after last year, um, me and my friend Tim, who were doing a little web series called Hindsight Heroes at the time, 
we did a segment called Are the Dodgers Done? Mm-hmm. And we took a look at like their trend, their ERA trends and their bullpen ERA trends, their slugging percentage trends. We noticed that everything was heading downward. So we said after last season, if they couldn't win, they were probably done. They'd still make the playoffs, but they probably weren't World Series contenders anymore. And they have just totally proved us wrong, right? So I think a lot of that has to do with Hyunjin Ryu's phenomenal, phenomenal year mm-hmm. that he's having and the return of Corey Seager. Yeah. But even with that, I mean, they had Manny Machado last year. So I don't think Corey Seager is that much of an upgrade, if at all, over Manny Machado, mm-hmm. right? So, I personally, I would like to say, obviously I'm a Giants fan, I would like to say it'd be over after this year, but I still think they got three, four, at least more years. I just don't know how they can be better than the team they had last year. Like, they were so deep, they were talented. Machado wasn't an everyday player with them. Brian Dozier wasn't an everyday player yeah. with them. I mean, these guys are all-stars that are just riding the bench, well, not even getting five at-bats a series. You know what's crazy is they downgraded. Like They downgraded a lot of positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, their catcher is not nearly as good. Nope. They lost, uh, y- they lost Yasiel Puig this past offseason. Uh, like... <laughs> They lost a lot of key pieces, and and they lost Manny Machado. Yeah, they got they got Corey Seager back, but Manny Machado, he's he's something else, man. And they lost Brian Dozier, like you said. So how are they better now? <laughs> I, well, obviously Cody Bellinger, like yeah. Cody Bellinger is a big part of that. wasn't as good last year, but he is just raking this mm-hmm. year, right? Yep. But other than Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Corey Seager, are are there any more like legit superstar hitters on that team? Muncie. Yeah, which borderline there? borderline yeah. yeah that's why I kind of said it with a question mark <laughs> yeah so Jock Peterson's it, a good hitter he, he's he's very powerful he's he serves a great role he's mm-hmm. the best like role he's one of the best role position hitters uh, that I've seen and right. obviously you and I have a little bit of a bias toward him but right but it it just has to be there and even their bullpen hasn't been that good this year no it's been all right but mm-hmm. nothing great but they should have upgraded it yeah they should have and so it has to be their starting pitching right Best this has to be Ryu, Kershaw, and company. <laughs> is Rich Hill even healthy? Like, I don't, I don't know what the nah, deal is with He's not Rich that Hill. effective. He's not. He's never Walker healthy. Bueller's not even as good as he was last yeah. year. Uh, who else is there on that team? Ross Stripling, is he still there? He's still there. How about Dustin May, Ginger Guard? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that guy. You know, the Dodgers are a team that have had so many good teams and not been able to pull it out. I'm just not confident in them anymore. Well... Just because they haven't been able to win the World Series after two years doesn't mean their World Series window is closed. I mean, would you say the Buffalo Bills win, uh, Super Bowl window was closed when they lost their first two in a row? I would start to think so. <laughs> but they made it to two more. So I, I would say that it's still open. They just never walk through. But that's why I always say that the Dodgers are on pace to be the 1990s Bills of Yeah, it, 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 lo- it, it, looks like, it looks like they are. I think that the Astros and the Yankees are still ahead of them. And if they meet in the World Series, it'll still be one of those two if if they meet. And, then, you know, I'm, this is no disrespect on your twins, but I just think the Yankees and Astros are a little bit ahead of them. No, I agree. I agree yeah. with that. And speaking of Houston, am I crazy to say, just hear me out, that Minnesota's World Series windows actually open longer than Houston's is, if by one year? If by one... I wouldn't say it's crazy for, like, one year. Unless Houston goes out and they spend a lot of money this offseason. Yeah. Well, a lot of that reason, or a lot of the reason I think maybe you couldn't you couldn't be crazy there is because Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are their agent, man. Yeah. Well, Garrett Cole's only what? He's still under 30, right? But he'll be a free agent yeah. this year. He'll be a free agent. Justin Verlander is 36, 37. I don't know. He's mm-hmm. up there. And uh, he's defying time, but how long is he going to be able to do that? Right. He Is he Tom Brady? 
I don't think anyone's Tom Brady. I don't think anyone's Tom Brady either. No one ages like him except maybe Yarmir Yager. Mm, yeah. And not quite with the success that Brady's been having. Very true. But I tell you what, Houston is going to have a problem trying to pay everybody this offseason. I know there's no salary cap. I just don't think they're going to. I do think that Garrett Cole is going to leave and go to Atlanta this offseason. And their pitching staff, as it is right now, just doesn't get the job done enough. Uh, their pitching staff outside of those two, they keep losing guys. Colin McHugh's not the same guy he was a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So they keep losing guys or they keep like slowly degrading off, right? So they need to find those new pieces. And I think that their farm system has enough strong pitchers to keep them sustained for a couple more years. And as long as they have that one bona fide ace, all you need is that one guy, make it to the playoffs, and I'm a Giants fan. 2014, all you need is that one guy to take you that far. I tell you what, I agree with you in the sense that Houston's still going to be one of the best teams in baseball. They're still going to be dominant. But I don't think you can win a World Series without Garrett Cole, to be honest with you. Really? I don't know, that. Well, at least the current makeup of Houston's roster right now, I don't think they can win the World Series without Garrett Cole. I mean, he's good, but I wouldn't say he's essential. I think the essential parts are Justin Verlander, Ken Giles, uh, maybe Roberto Osuna. Maybe. 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 And then um, the, the key hitters, which I would say are just... Altuve, uh, Springer, Correa. Jordan Alvarez has been really yeah, good this been, year. And then Brantley was a heck of a pickup. Yeah, and Brantley. Uh, and I mean, I, I love Josh Reddick too, but he's not a key. He's not. Did a you key say guy. Bregman? No, I, I didn't remember no, if you Bre- said Bre- Bregman Bre- or not. Bregman's he's up a there key guy too. too. They have all those key guys, and those guys' contracts are going to be coming up very, very, very mm-hmm. soon. So I would say when they like, there's going to there's going to be one year. I haven't looked into this, but there's going to be one year where like two or three of those guys' contract goes up. Mm-hmm. If they can't keep. All of them, and I mean all of them. Minnesota is going to have to go all in next year. Following next season, four of their starting five pitchers will be up for new contracts. Yeah, Everybody but good. Barrios. So they at least have, at least I mean at least it's Barrios. I, I'm thankful for that at least that the ace is the one that they have locked up. But Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, Martin Perez, they're all going to want to get paid, and that's just pitching. How many of those guys would you say are vital to the Twins' success? First half, Odorizzi. Not as a fan, but I mean. First half, Odorizzi was really good. He's been dealing with some kind of blister on his finger. Something hasn't been Mm -hmm. the same after the All Star break. But they've been better after since the All Star break, haven't they? Or they've been. They they have been. The problem is that Cleveland has been better than almost everybody in baseball since the All Star break, and they've made it a legitimate race in the AL Central. But Minnesota's going to have to go out and spend money. It's something I know they hate to do. For whatever reason, they just hate (laughs) to spend money. They just got Nelson Cruz, man. I know, but they they still. Hate to spend money. Yeah. Nelson Cruz was an awesome pickup, though. I would love it if he comes back for another season yep. at age 41 next year. Yeah. I would just love it. So, Minnesota, in that sense, unless Houston spends a lot of money, if Minnesota wants to go all in next year, spend a lot of money on their bullpen, maybe they could be a World Series team. I don't think they, they are be. this year. I don't think this roster is good enough for a World Series right now. I didn't think that about Boston think, last year well, either. The thing I. Uh, why, why, hold up. Why didn't you think that about Boston? Their bullpen. I thought that was going to do what a minute. What point. was wrong with their bullpen? They had one of the best closers in baseball. They I didn't know some... if they could bridge the gap from the starters to Kimbrel. They had okay. a really good rotation and a really good closer, but those middle relievers scared me. Nathan Eovaldi, man. <laughs> they proved me wrong. Yeah. I'll give them that. That's what I'm hoping the Twins do this year. Yeah, well, um, I feel like the Twins have the best clutch factor of any American League team. Okay. They seem to be the best in the late innings uh, compared to the Yankees and the Astros and whatnot. Right. So I think uh, if they get to the playoffs and they're probably going to face the Yankees, they're definitely going to face the Yankees or Astros if they win the division in the first round. Mm-hmm. 
No, you know what? They're, no matter what, if they win the wild card game too, they're going to face the Yankees or Astros. So I'm thinking Astros first round, probably. But they can keep it tight for the uh, through the first like seven innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the bullpen is sketchy, but I know Minnesota's bullpen is sketchy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's a better team in the league right now in the late innings than Minnesota. I tell you what, you talked about Oakland. They are making their annual late season surge where they take the first half of the year off and then they play like dynamite oh, in the second half. they didn't take half. the first, ha- the first uh, half of this year off. They were like in that second wild card spot for a long time. Well, compared to what they're doing now. Yeah, that's true. They are better now. I tell you what, does Oakland have any shot at a World Series in the next three years or so? No. Um, Oakland doesn't have that it factor, right? Mm-hmm. Name one of their starting pitchers. Chris Bassett? Yeah. Homer Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they have nobody in that rotation. They have a couple good relievers. I mean, Blake Trinan is phenomenal. Yep. Uh, I really like some of their setup guys as well. Yep. Uh, they still have a lot of good setup guys uh, alongside. They've lost a lot of guys to injury. Sean Manaya still mm-hmm. figuring stuff out. On offense, you know, they're fine. But uh, Chris Davis isn't having the year he's usually having. No. His power numbers are way down. Uh, Matt Chapman is a good leader, but I don't think he's that offensive superstar force that could really push a team deep into the postseason. Mm-hmm. He's not as good offensively as, say, Justin Turner or Nolan Arenado right. or Alex Bregman along those lines. So <laughs> you're going to be led by a rotate, and this is this is no uh, diss to Oakland's manager. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. Yep. What Billy Bean and him have been able to do. There's a reason they're nicknamed the Oakland Triple A's. <laughs> Because however great these players are, they're at some point they're going to be shipped off to bigger market teams for a lot more prospects. So their their window, I'd say, is probably within the next two years, and I don't think that they're going to get it in that time. I've got a few more I want to get to, but we're hitting the break. Last one, Cleveland. Do they have a shot at winning the World Series anytime soon? No. I thought their window 20, closed 20, after 2016. Was their window, that was yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's take a timeout. We'll get a few more of these National League teams like the Brewers, Cubs, what have you. We'll you hit better, them next. You better say the Phillies. <laughs> the Phillies, too, on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along this Tuesday afternoon. Looking at a few more World Series windows Man, you like the you really like Bryce Harper. In the I Phillies, really like Bryce Harper. I'm one of his biggest <laughs> fans, obviously. What is their World Series looking like? Do they have any shot in the next thirteen years as the, long as Harper's there? I'd say their window is closed for as long as Bryce Harper is on that <laughs> team. You cannot build a team around a guy who hits two fifty uh, and costs three hundred thirty million. Right? Right? Your Bryce Harper takes is what this show lives for. <laughs> that and Andrew Luck audio. I know, man. Andrew looks awesome. Isn't he great? That's our goal is to get him on the show. Oh, that'd be, dude, oh my gosh. I would just sit outside. I wouldn't even want to be on the show. I would just sit outside and watch. Uh, All right, Philadelphia, man. Like, I like a lot of their young pieces. I love Reese Hoskins. Yep. Uh, Reese Hoskins is a little more, he doesn't chase as much as Bryce Harper. Like, Bryce Harper walks more. Right. I don't know why. People have this stigma that he's going to kill you. He he won't. (laughs) Like, he, he has one of the highest chase rates in Major League Baseball yet somehow still has one of the highest walk rates, which means he sees the most balls in Major League Baseball, besides maybe Mike Trout. Mm -hmm. And I don't get it, man. I don't get it. His strikeout rate is through the roof. Just throw him stuff down the plate. Yeah, he might make you pay every now and again, but don't let those moments fool you. He's a glorified glorified Paul Canerco, in my my opinion. 
He's a little faster. But <laughs> Paul Konerko is still pretty good. He was still pretty good, but not worth $330 million. I could just uh, wind you up and let you go on Bryce Harper takes. My Bryce Harper takes, like, okay, so I don't think Bryce Harper is bad, right. okay? I think he's a good player. Okay. But is he worth the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history? Not even close. Not even close. And that's my problem with him. It's just people think he's this this godsend where whenever he goes, he hits home runs and flows his hair and... Oh, he's just beautiful to look at, right? But don't let his walk-off grand slam from a couple nights ago distract you from the fact that he's hitting less than 250 this season. It's like um, it's like that guy we both follow on Twitter where it's like, don't let Steph Curry's magical threes distract you from the fact that he has zero finals MVP. Sports Talk Barry! Yeah. How about this? Glorified Jason Bay. Would you rather have Jason Bay in his prime or Bryce Harper? I'd rather, I'd rather have Bryce Harper. Would you? Okay. Yeah, because Jason Bay's prime lasted, what, six months? <laughs> it wasn't long. <laughs> Bryce Harper's been like as good as Jason Bay's prime for a long time now, so he's like kept it more sustained. But yeah, they can't say that in Pittsburgh though. He's still a legend there. I'm pretty sure. Oh really? Pittsburgh and Canada, they love Jason Bay. I wouldn't doubt that. Man. They love them some Jason Bay. Yeah. So I tell you what, Phillies. You don't think they'll be bringing home a championship here in the, no, the next couple I, of decades y- or so? No, I, I wouldn't say that. They're going to need. Like, their best window is as long as Aaron Nola is kept on a small contract, Reese Hoskins is kept on a small tr- contract, they still have Jake Arrieta, they uh, they still have a bunch of other guys. Uh, JT Realmundo, I think, is still the best catcher in the game. How about McCutcheon? You think they need him to win a World Series? No. no. I mean, McCutcheon wasn't able to do anything with Pittsburgh when they had a really good team. They made the playoffs, what, three years in a row? Yeah. And they weren't able to get past the first round ever. Wasn't he with the Yankees last year? He was with the Yankees last year, too. And what happened to them? Yep, they got knocked got down, down the by the Red Sox. Yeah. How about Kingery? I think Kingery's good, but I, I, don't like think, I don't think he's reached his full potential yet. And, no. one, and once he does, his, contra- his contract's going to be running up yet. I don't honestly think that he's part of the Phillies' long-term plans. I could see him being part of the Phillies' long-term plans. I think he plans. should be, but I don't know that he is. Well, that's the thing. As long as you have a guy like Bryce Harper, who costs $330 million, anybody who's really good but cheap can't be part of your long-term plans. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the That'll issue be with Kingery. them. That's going to be the issue with them for as long as Bryce Harper's on that team. How about we go to the NL Central? Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers. Do any of them have a shot at the World Series in the next five years? I think the Cardinals do. Think so? The, yeah, Jordan Hicks. How how old is he? He's young. I don't know. They have, they, head, they have so many good young players. Tyler O'Neill is good. Mm-hmm. I really like Jose Martinez. Not in the field, but at, at the plate. <laughs> Paul um, DeYoung. Paul DeYoung, yeah. Uh, they have a bunch of really, really, really solid guys, and they're all led by one of the most talented hitters in baseball, Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. And they, as long as they have Yadier Molina, a veteran leader, pretty much a second pitching coach out there, their pitching staff is going to remain one of the best in baseball. I like that. Yeah, even if they don't have... Guys that blow you away. I mean, they don't have a top tier starter they, they, they yet. Don't. Yachty commands them to yeah. being a top tier yeah. starter. Miles, Mi- do you think Miles, Miles Michaelis would succeed anywhere else? <laughs> um, Sounds like a cartoon character. I know. Yeah. Uh, do you think Michael Walker would have been any like? I don't. He's pitching tonight. Yeah. So they have a bunch of these guys that I just feel like Yachty commands respect from. And Dakota just, Hudson. Yeah. He combined to one hit the Brewers last night. Yeah. It's just. They get these phenomenal starts from a lot, a lot, a lot of young people, and as long as that, they're gonna they're gonna have that continue to be the case. They still got Adam Wainwright, who's a two time World Series champion. He'll be he'll be a veteran leader that could teach people some stuff. Do you see it as an arms race potentially for starting pitching between the Brewers and Cardinals? Personally, I don't think anybody's in an arms race for starting pitching because starting pitching is like it's getting okay. Should they out. be? 
I said, yeah, they should be. I but do believe you need to have at least one top tier star, probably two, to win a World Series. You need to have somebody. You need mm-hmm. to have somebody your your go to guy. I mean, Chris Sale closed out the World Series last year, right? Mm-hmm. So you definitely need to have one or two guys. But I we're at a point in Major League Baseball where as long as that one or two guys can go three innings, mm-hmm. that counts. So if you have a closer like Craig Kimbrell, Brian Wilson in his prime. Uh, Jose Valverde in his prime, stuff like that. I don't know why I didn't say Mariano Rivera or anything, but as long as you have one or two of those guys and they can go three innings, I'd say that that counts as a guy nowadays. Look at what the Rays are doing, man. Yeah, yeah. How about the Rays? You think they have any shot in the no, next couple of years? They're in the same boat as the as the uh, A's. Okay. It's just anybody who's cheap, they're not going to be able to afford them for a long t- for a long time. So yeah, they have a real bunch of good players, but. They can't build a team like the Yankees can. And they have no money to spend. They, they have the worst yeah, payroll in baseball. Yeah, they, they literally need to build a World Series winning team from the ground up, through the draft, and through prospects. Which means you need to have a legitimate superstar ace uh, or hitter like you had with David Price, like you had with sort of Evan Longoria. Okay. Did they have any? Uh, Carlos Pena, I guess, for a time. Carl yeah, Crawford. For a little for, bit. Carl Crawford for a time. You need to build people like that and trade those away and build a World Series winning team through people that you haven't seen in the majors yet. And that's just way too difficult to do. How about a team like the Cubs? What do you think their window is for winning another World Series? Their window's still wide open. Think so? All their all their pieces are still very young. Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, all of them are very, very, very young. Okay. Wilson Contreras, too, as well. Yep. So, I mean... Even their, I mean, their starting pitching is getting a little older. But outside of John Lester, I, I like, I couldn't tell you the stats of any of their starters outside of John Lester. So they still like the fact that they're succeeding with guys that I don't know that well shows you that they are able to win with guys that nobody knows. I love when John Lester pitches to Tucker Barnhart when the Cubs play the Reds because it is the most country-sounding battle that you've ever John. heard of. John Lester and Tucker Barnhart. I feel like there's, there could be a more country well, name there was John Lester. when Homer Bailey was pitching to Tucker Barnhart. <laughs> when they were a battery for the Reds, but now Homer Bailey's in Oakland. Oh, man. That's Otherwise, that would have been great. But yeah, Lester, personality-wise, he's pretty country. Yeah, I would say Tucker's pretty country, too. Tucker Barnhart is, ba- too. Baseball's <laughs> just a very country sport, man. Like, uh, Once in a while. No, I'd say pretty often, man. Really? I, yeah, because you hear all the... Well, at least the players are pretty country, because you hear all the time, I mean, like... All the time, the walk-up songs are country. Not for the not for the foreign-born players, but for most of the American players. Eh, for some of them, you, you got a couple like Justin Turner that play Ed Sheeran when they walk up. But <laughs> I mean, I'd say a lot of them play country. Was it Roughnet Odor? I was listening to the Twins and Rangers this weekend. I think Roughnet Odor had Baby Shark. <laughs> I mean, come on. I know Josh Reddick for a while had Sexy Sax Man. Oh, and, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised more people haven't used that. I know. <laughs> I think uh, I think Jason Kipnis might have used that too. I will tell you, uh, I've been to a lot of ballparks, and I think the best walk-up songs belong to the Washington Nationals okay. from, from from two years ago. All right, not Bryce Harper though. <laughs> <laughs> Does Bryce Harper do anything right? Uh, he flips his hair right. He flips his hair. He right. fights his teammates right. He's got great hair. Yeah. Does Bryce Harper not remind? Do you remember the NCAA tournament in 2016? Maybe it was Notre Dame made their run. Maybe it was 2015 actually, and they almost got upset in the second round by Stephen F. Austin. They had that really tall redhead look just like Bryce Harper. I do not remember that. Thomas Walkup, he looked just like Bryce Harper. Red-headed I'll have Bryce to look Harper. That up, man. You have to look that red-headed up. Red-headed Bryce Harper. Yep. That's something, man. Thomas Walkup. Okay, I'll look that up. He's playing somewhere in Europe right now. Oh, good for him. But that reminded me of him. Uh, I tell you what, with the Brewers, 
how long do you think it's going to be for them? Or what pieces do they need to be a World Series contender? Because I don't think they are this year. Uh, I thought they were last year, and I thought they were going to be this year. I had them winning the division last year, but this year I had them coming... Okay, so in my Monday Minute where I predict the Brewers' season, I had them coming second, but in my mind I was like, they're probably going to come third, but I wanted to please everybody up here. Please, okay. don't, please don't hate me, everyone. <laughs> but I, 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 they, they, were, they were at their best last year. Yeah. Where they had guys that nobody saw coming. Nobody saw Josh Hader coming. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw Jeremy Jeffers coming. Nobody saw uh, Christian Yelich coming. Now they have all these targets. Nobody saw Jesus Aguilar coming. Yeah. Now they have all these targets on the back. Jesus Aguilar. I mean, Christian Yelts has kept it up, but Jesus Aguilar, Travis Shaw, they haven't kept it up. And then Aguilar's gone now, too. Yeah, and their biggest problem wasn't even at catcher, which is where they got their best thing. Mm-hmm. They were hoping that Jimmy Nelson would re- retain his 2017 form after Tommy John. That's asking a lot. Obviously, they need starting pitching, right? Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. But they don't have anything right now. Nothing. <laughs> Last one for you. How about the Atlanta Braves? Wide open. window look? You think so? Wide open. Okay. Nick Markakis isn't super valuable. Brian McCann isn't super valuable. Trey Flowers is a serviceable backup to Brian McCann. Mm-hmm. But outside, I mean, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., they're the key pieces. Freddie Freeman is even still pretty young. He's mm-hmm. how old, 27? Probably somewhere yeah. around there. Like that. So their key offensive pieces all still very much healthy. I love Ender and Ciarte, who's yeah. still also pretty young, young as a table setter. Mike Fultonevich is a great starter. Uh, Max Fried's a great starter. They have a bunch of they have a bunch of good things. They're missing a little bit of a bullpen. They need a bona fide closer, but they got three clo- they got two closers from the Giants. Yeah, one of them's gonna pan out. They also got Shane Green. Yeah, so, so one of them's gotta they pan got to pan out. Three bona fide, they got three people with bona fide closing experience, and all of them have been pretty big busts for them so far. But they're still commanding the NL East. So even with an awful bullpen that is just busting all over the place, they still lead that division. What if I were to tell you that I believe the Braves will be the next dominant power in the NL after the Dodgers? After the Dodgers? Especially once they get Garrett Cole this offseason. If they get Garrett Cole, I will 100% agree with you. But until <laughs> then, I'd say the NL is still very much wide open. I'm looking at your shirt, and I see the Alabama logo, the A, and I'm trying to figure out the difference between Alabama's A and the Atlanta Braves A, the A logo. You're, you're, there's no tomahawk under this one. Well, besides the obvious. There's no tomahawk crossing the A, I should say. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, before we hit the break, looking at the Rookie of the Year awards, the National League is pretty obvious. The American League is going to be a race. It's going to be Pete Alonso, especially with Fernando Tatis out for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's no question there. The American League, though, that could be really fun coming yeah. up. All the best guys, they haven't really panned out. Like Vlad Guerrero... Junior seemed to be panning out, but mm-hmm. just got hurt. Right, he wasn't starting the season there. We don't know if he's played enough to really uh, get that award, to really earn that award. Remember when Eloy Jimenez? Was That's like who I was trying to get to. Do you, th- do you th- still think he's the top? I tell you what. Last night I was going on my nightly walk. Every night I like to take a walk down by McCarty Cove. If you ever see me down there, I'll be the guy wearing the twin stuff. I'm convinced Dude, there's I'm no one there, else in I'm Marquette. There, I'm there like probably once or twice a week. I've never seen you. Usually I like to go when the sun's starting to set, because that's about when the twins start, and I can listen to the game while I'm on my walk. Okay. And I was doing that last night, and I was listening to the twins that were playing the White Sox, and I hear Aloy Jimenez, and I think, man, now that I think about it, the Cubs lost on that trade. Yeah, they, they did. gave up Aloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. Mm-hmm. Jose Quintana's good, but Aloy Jimenez is something special. Yeah. 
and he's going to be for a long time. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why isn't he getting more consideration for Rookie of the Year? Well, he wa- I really, you never saw, like at the beginning of the year, I was seeing Aloy Jimenez all over the place. I don't think he's being talked about as much as Michael Chavis or Jordan Alvarez, and they're deserving, don't well, get me wrong. Aloy Jimenez, uh, I think, does deserve it, not as much as Jordan Alvarez, just because the Rookie of the Year and MVP have always been, at least for baseball, it's like, oh, who's the best player on the best team, right? Mm-hmm. That's why Buster Posey won in 2012. I love Buster Posey, but he was not the MVP that year. Right. Yeah, Ryan Braun, sorry. But um, (laughs) it's the same thing with Aloy Jimenez, where he can be as great as he wants, but unless he puts up Mike Trout-esque numbers, he's not going to get that same recognition. Because Mike Trout, he's not on the winning team, been to the playoffs, what, once? Twice? I think once. Hasn't won a playoff series. But because he puts up such great numbers, he gets recognition. Eloy Jimenez isn't putting up the same type of numbers. I feel like the White Sox are on pace to be maybe the next dominant force in the American League. They'll mm. never catch the Yankees That's because of the financial situation. But they have rebuilt so well. Their farm system is in great shape. I, a lot of those guys are with the big club right now, and they're taking steps forward. As much as I hate to say it, the White Sox could be a really good power in the American League coming up. Uh, I think Lucas Giolito has reached his peak. His peak's still pretty good. His peak is still good well, enough it's still that good. he could be a really good contributing it's, piece. It's still good, but how wide is the peak? We don't know how long or how sustainable it is. If he can sustain this over the course of his contract life, now again, they're going to need those minor league prospects to get up to the big club, mm-hmm. but they've got a lot of these guys that are promising. Michael Kopech is hurt right now, but he looked good when he was on the field. Dylan Cease looks like he'll be good. Tim Anderson bursting yeah, on the scene like he has. He's something else now. For and some they're building reason. up through that young infield with Moncada, Yomer Sanchez. But like, how many of those guys do you think have the potential to be household names? I look at them and it's just like I don't. Th- I don't see any of them being legitimate superstars. Mm-hmm. Like, Jose Abreu is only really a superstar because the AL first base spot is so weak. Okay. There aren't many good AL first basemen. So you're, you look at him and you're like, oh, he started for the All-Star team for a couple of years. But it's like, yeah, that's because two years ago it was Justin Smoke. I just don't see the superstar potential in, on, in their team just yet. I don't see that World Series winning potential on that team just yet. It'll be at least five years, at minimum, before they even contend for a World Series. But if they do it right, we don't know that that's going to happen. But if they do it right... There's potential there for that White Sox team. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll agree with you on that one. I tell you what, we owe you our next time out. When we come back, Baker Mayfield, Nodell Beckham Jr., obsessed with the New York Giants. We'll talk about it next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along this Tuesday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. The Carolina Hurricanes will introduce new road white uniforms this season. The sweater features a thick red stripe supplemented by a little bit of black around the midsection and the sleeves, while the word Canes is written diagonally across the chest, replacing the team logo. The annual NBA Rookie Survey found that most first-year players believe Zion Williamson will be Rookie of the Year, but former Duke teammate Cam Reddish will have the best career of anybody. How about that? Yeah, I saw that. I was stunned. (laughs) If anybody was going to have a better career, wouldn't it be R.J. Barrett? Yeah, and also the Knicks. (laughs) (laughs) That says it a lot. That says it all for R.J. Barrett. And finally, happy 12th birthday to the iPhone. On this day in 2007, Steve Jobs introduced the world to the iPhone. Twelve years later, I'm using it today to prep yeah, out this show. You were using it to read happy birthday to it. 
<laughs> I got my live reads here on my iPhone, reading happy birthday to the iPhone. Also, happy 106th birthday to Richard Milhouse Nixon. President Nixon, born on this day in 1913. So happy birthday to the iPhone and Richard Nixon. Dang. How about that? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along as always. Baker Mayfield had some comments on the New York Giants' newest quarterback. He said that he was stunned that the Giants took Daniel Jones sixth overall in the draft this year, saying they probably overlooked things. It's not only about mechanics, but it's about being the guy your team relies on to win. Daniel Jones went 17-19 and 19 at Duke, and Baker could not believe that the Giants picked somebody with a losing record in college. I'm just confused why Baker feels the need to comment on it. Well, you know, there's a guy whispering in his ear, right? There's somebody in there, yeah. Yeah, well, so Odell Beckham Jr. obviously doesn't have the best relationship with the Giants, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this big, shiny new tool that Baker Mayfield has, wants to develop a good rapport with, so who do you think he's going to be hanging out a lot with? (laughs) So while they're hanging out, what do you think they're going to talk about? They're going to talk about what Odell Beckham Jr. wants to talk about because he's the bigger personality, he's the veteran, and they're going to talk about the New York Giants. And in doing that, it's going to put some thoughts in Baker's mind. That's how I think this went, honestly. It probably is, and that's why I don't think the Browns are going to be a playoff team this year because one guy, their best player arguably, can't get over his ex. He said today (laughs) that the Giants had better offers on the table, but they sent him to Cleveland out of spite. They sent him to a barely under 500 team. Why is that out of spite? <laughs> I always sent him to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> sent him to the Jets and never hear from him again. The Cleveland fan base seems to be really into their team. You have, yeah. a, lo- you have a loyal fan base. Send him to the Jaguars, man. <laughs> if you really wanted to spite him, keep him with the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been the worst. So I tell you what, Daniel Jones, uh, well, Baker Mayfield taking shots at Daniel Jones. First of all, Addressing the record in college, the 17-19 and 19 record, got to keep in mind, he's playing at Duke. Baker went 34-6 and six at Oklahoma. You're getting the cream of the crop recruits. Yeah. You're getting the guys who are picking between Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Michigan, the big guns. Yeah. Duke is picking between guys who are going to, like, East Carolina, Guys who want to play basketball. State. Yeah, <laughs> guys who want to play basketball. It's a basketball school, and it always probably will be. Yeah. I don't think that's a fair comparison from Baker, for one thing. For another, people are saying the same thing about you. People are criticizing the Browns for taking you first overall. Yeah, that's true. And guess what? Daniel Jones has had a better preseason than Baker had. <laughs> right? I do like the Browns in terms of their moxie and whatnot. They mm-hmm. should have been on hard knocks again, right? Well, but you I can't don't know. do them two years I, in a row. And you cannot overlook this year's Raider team. Yeah, that's also true. But they are, they are very intriguing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are not taking any bull squat from anybody. I tell you what, while we're talking about the Browns' expectations for this season, am I crazy to say I think Jarvis Landry will be the best receiver they have this year? No, they already have a rapport together. I mean, Jarvis Landry let people down last year, but it's a new system. Half the year was with Hugh Jackson. Mm. And I think one more year where uh, – this is what's going to happen, honestly. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, projections I've run – have the Browns starting anywhere between one and three wins in their first uh, in their first uh, seven games? Really? Which means over their first seven, they have a tough schedule, man. They have a lot of teams that are going to be good markers to see if they are the real deal, right? Mm-hmm. Odell Beckham didn't like the Giants because they couldn't win. You could say the same thing with the Raiders and Antonio Brown. 
Well, I, li- I really like how Mike uh, Mayock handled that one. He handled it the right way, but what's he going to do when the Raiders start 2-5 and five and Antonio Brown decides he has enough? I mean, you traded the third and the fifth round for him. He's mm-hmm. not worth that much to you anymore. You can kick him out. I mean, this guy walked out on the Steelers in a playoff hunt in the final game of the year. What's he going to do with Oakland when they lose five of their first seven? You got a first rounder for Amari Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can do something, man. Send him somewhere else. He's not worth it at this point. Do you think they'd rather have Amari Cooper right now than Antonio oh, Brown? Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. <laughs> so, something that NFL fans have never said is, oh, the Steelers look so dumb right now for trading Antonio Brown. Uh-huh. And there's a reason. He's just awful. I don't think any team wants him right now. Filed another grievance last night. I feel really bad for defending him when I was on your show a couple months ago. (laughs) When will it end? I tell you what, how about this? I've been thinking about quarterbacks. I've been thinking about quarterbacks that have high expectations, guys with a lot of potential. We had Monday Night Football kind of last night. We had the 49ers... (laughs) We had the 49ers and Broncos ending week two of the preseason... As a Stanford fan and a 49er fan, how did you feel watching that game seeing Kevin Hogan outduel Jimmy Garoppolo? <sighs> Do we have to talk about this? <laughs> That's what makes me it was a really frustrating night for Jimmy Garoppolo. The only things I've ever heard the only things I've heard coming out of San Francisco 49ers camp so far this offseason are bad things about Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. He threw five straight interceptions at one practice, and yep. I was like, I people were like, oh, you know, we all have those days. Everybody's had those days at practice and whatnot, yada yada yada. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe. And then it's his first action, pick on his second attempt against the Broncos. <laughs> that was not good, man. Um, it's that Vic Fangio defense one that makes for, you feel better. No, it does not. <laughs> the former Forty Nine er defensive coordinator, so that does not. But. Um, one for six for zero yards, right? That's so bad. <laughs> That's so bad. And this is why I've been thinking about quarterbacks. I've been thinking about quarterbacks that have such high expectations when really we haven't seen them prove much on the field. Jimmy Garoppolo's a guy that comes to mind. He should be a franchise quarterback for San Francisco, but he really hasn't proved anything. And you could say the same thing about Carson Wentz. Like, do you think it's Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, or do you think it's Kyle Shanahan? I honestly don't know. That's why I'm hoping that well, because we learn every, everybody season. says, "Oh, Kyle Shanahan is this great offensive coach and whatnot." Yada yada yada. He made stuff out of Nick Mullins. Like Nick Mullins did not look that bad last right. year, but now Jimmy Garoppolo looks awful. So, at what point do we say, "Okay, maybe it's Jimmy"? I would love to have a take for you, have an answer on whose fault it is, Jimmy G or Shanahan. But I honestly don't know. I don't know at this point. I just haven't seen enough of them yeah. that I'm hoping this season answers a few questions. But I tell you what, Carson Wentz is kind of the same way. His freshman year, he was on his way to an MVP, and he gets hurt. Nick Foles comes in and takes the Eagles to the Super Bowl. They win it, their first title since 1949. Last year, well, he wasn't on his way to an MVP season. In fact, the Eagles were in turmoil. Then he gets hurt. Turns out to be the best thing for them as Nick Foles comes in, sneaks him into the playoffs, actually wins a playoff game, and now there's no Nick Foles. There's no safety net for Carson Wentz this year. It's put up or shut up. Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, yeah, there is. Josh so? McCown. Oh, coming Nate out Sudfeld. Of re- yeah, no, well, Josh McCown's coming out of retirement. I've always thought Josh McCown was a very, very serviceable backup type. Maybe. And he's coming He's coming in now. He came out of retirement to join the Eagles. But the thing is, that doesn't help Carson Wentz. No, it doesn't. We have so much optimism for a guy. We feel that he should be one of the highest paid quarterbacks. And he really hasn't showed anything on the football field outside of maybe a 10-game stretch his rookie year. 
I still think he's a phenomenal talent, but I'm getting the same sort of vibes that I got from Derek Carr. Okay. Where Derek Carr really showed a lot of stuff early, but then injuries happened and his team would make the playoffs, but they wouldn't go very far. Or they, it wasn't the same situation exactly because Nick Foles actually won games unlike Matt McGloin and Connor Cook. <laughs> it's the same sort of feeling where it's this really good quarterback that everybody's got a lot of expectations for and then injuries derail his career. I think Carson Wentz is better than Derek Carr was, but not by much. Not by much where Derek Carr was in his prime. I tell you what, a guy that we really haven't seen a huge sample size of when you take it all into consideration, and it may not be his fault because of injury, but hasn't lived up to expectations put on him, is Andrew Luck. Oh, he's lived up to expectations. I don't think so. Why? Because he hasn't won MVP? No, because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. That's exactly what the Colts were thinking. Think back to 2011. Dan Orlovsky is one of our NFL insiders here on ESPN. He does a fantastic job. He was a backup quarterback at that time. Peyton Manning sat out that season due to neck surgery. They were coming off a 10-6 and season. They were looking to be... They, they were being talked about the way the Vikings were two years ago, that they might be the first team to get a host to Super Bowl. And they go 2-14 and 14 that year because no Peyton Manning... They have to make it work with Kerry Collins, tried coming out of retirement. Wasn't, like, Charlie Whitehurst there, too? And Curtis Painter. Dang, man. And they go 2-14, and 14, and Dan Orlovsky last week on the Will Kane Show said they were tanking for Andrew Luck by about week six that season because they knew it wasn't going anywhere. They started, like, 0-8 because they had legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. And Luck has been really good, but for a guy that they had Super Bowl aspirations for... He just can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. Well, now he's got the best. Well, I mean, nah. I, I don't think he has that bad of an injury problem yet. I don't yet. know. I don't know. I mean, last year, he. I mean, at this time last year, he was clinically dead. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> the fact that he's able to come back from that, put up an MVP caliber season if it wasn't for Drew Brees having one of the best seasons of all time, Patrick Mahomes coming out of nowhere, and Phillip Rivers having the best season of his career, he, he came fourth in MVP voting, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's had phenomenal seasons, and so anybody who comes fourth in MVP voting and is ranked the 20th best player in the NFL, he's, ranked been, he's been ranked higher, too. They are definitely a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback. He should be, but it's one thing to be a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback and another to actually win the thing. And now he's got great protection, Quentin Nelson, of course, mm-hmm. and among several other players. He's got a very good defense. Still, the pass defense is a little iffy, but Darius Leonard is a legitimate star. Mm-hmm. Well, there are no issues. Like yeah, we were talking about World Series windows the other day, the Super Bowl window for the Colts is is bigger than anybody else in the NFL right now. If Luck is healthy, if Luck is healthy, but he's shown me. I mean, he either plays no games in a season or every game in a season, <laughs> and I don't know. It looks. Uh, I mean, his calf is a problem uh, right now, but I think he'll be fine. I tell you what, with him, they are a Super Bowl contender. Without him, they might finish last in that division. They might. They might get the first pick. Because other than Jacoby Brissett, their backup quarterbacks are Chad Kelly and Philip Walker. Hold up, let's let's not even give give Jacoby Brissett the lie today, right? Coming out of the Belichick system, it's the same thing that happened with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh-huh. They won games, and now they're out of the Belichick system, not looking too good. So, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, we'll have our wide receiver debate. Who's more reliable? Who would you want on your fantasy team? Plus. College football in four days. 
we'll break down the rankings next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, you can check us out on demand. Go to our website or get our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along in this Tuesday afternoon. And again, Michael's here on Tuesday because tomorrow we have a very special show. We'll be live on location at Riverside Auto, our newest sponsor at ESPN-UP. New sponsor alert. New sponsor alert. New sponsor alert. So again, if you want to come out, watch the show live, take it in, I'll be there. We'll talk a little sports afterwards. Hang out. Cool show. It's going to be a fun show. Hope to have you tuned in if you can't make it out. So I tell you what, to end the day, the first college football rankings came out yesterday. I'd say they were pretty solid. I'm actually pretty happy with where they came out. I think (laughs) the committee did a good job, but I don't always say that. Do you think Notre Dame should have been ranked higher? No, I think nine's about where they should be to start the year. Okay. To start the year. Yeah. They have got their chances to move up. They play at Georgia, who's ranked number three in week two. That's going to be tough. That'll be a really tough one. But if they win that, then they're probably top three. Yeah, I'd say Georgia is – they they deserve to be number three. I'm really glad. That was the most important thing for me because normally they start the season ranked five or six, but I definitely think they deserve to be three this year. Plus, Notre Dame goes to Michigan, who's ranked seventh in October. Yeah, and you were talking about Michigan a little bit before the show. What, what were you saying about them? I tell you what, they should have a good year this year. By all logic, they should. I'm not confident in them. I'm not. I'm just not. They haven't given me any reason to think they would. They have done nothing but underwhelm year in and year out. Well, I will say their underwhelm is a lot better than a lot of other teams underwhelm. It's that, oh, when they underwhelm, they go 10-2 and and lose the Big Ten Championship. Right. And that's underwhelming. Whereas, like... I mean, I'm I'm a Pac-12 guy, right? And USC, for me, USC was always a team that underwhelmed. And they didn't underwhelm by making it to the Pac-12 championship game. No, they underwhelmed by going oh, six and six, <laughs> like <laughs> while being ranked in t- tenth at the start of the season. So I tell you what. Speaking of the Pac-12, their highest ranked representative is Oregon at number eleven. But they do have quite a few top twenty-five teams. Nobody higher than eleventh. But you've got Washington at thirteenth, Utah at fourteenth. Washington State at 23rd, and then Stanford at 25th. If you had to say which team the Pac-12 success this year depended most on, who would it be? Wazoo. Wazoo. Washington State. Okay. Yeah, Washington State's a team that just a couple years ago, they were considered for the top 10, right? Mm -hmm. They've sort of fallen off, but nobody gives them the light of day. Nobody takes them by the wayside. They've sort of been overshined by Washington, but they're solid. They are. And I wouldn't wouldn't look past them. They're they're a team that could surprise a lot of people, and if they climb up the rankings, a lot of people could start to go, hold up, who's this this small market team coming out of the Pac-12? Oh, maybe they're a little better than we thought. Yeah, this pass-heavy squad and their coach, who is just an absolute delight. If I ever mm-hmm. get him on this show... He's I, second right behind Andrew Luck? Yeah. Yeah, okay. They'll be up there. They'll be in the top three with Stu Gatz. Gotcha. Those okay. will be our top three show guests. I think I could ask one question, and I probably wouldn't get the mic again <laughs> for the rest of the show. I would love to have Mike Leach come on this show. Uh, but I tell you what, do you like the top four? The guys that are there right now, you've got... Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that's very, very, very solid. I think that's right. No. I, I, I think Oklahoma could have been put a little bit lower just because we haven't seen Jalen Hurts in a Oklahoma system. Okay. But Oklahoma creates good quarterbacks, mm-hmm. creates very solid quarterbacks. And because of that, I think that he is a very solid Heisman hopeful. 
just having the Heisman is enough to make you a top 10 team in most cases. You've got Ohio State at number five. I don't know what to expect from them this year. I really don't. Well, without Urban Meyer, it's going right. to be a big deal. That, that's what I wonder, is if they could be the most underwhelming team in the Big Ten. You notice how they've been so quiet prior to the season? I guarantee it's because they don't want anybody knowing like how they're going to change up the game plan or like what their new guy has in store. I don't know how much of a change they'll have from Urban Meyer. I just don't know that Ryan Day can sustain what Urban Meyer's built. You don't have to sustain it for that long. Sure you I, do. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, it, in that fan base, they're, <laughs> they're going to run him out. I mean, how long do you think do you think he has to succeed this year? Yeah. What? Okay. I what do you consider? What do you consider success? He has to be Michigan. How about this? If they have a path where there's like a three way tie and they can win the tiebreaker, if they can lose to Michigan but still play for the Big Ten title, that might be permissible. That was a very odd specific situation of circumstances because if they lose to michigan and they're not playing for a big 10 title his seat's already going to be high well i think if they lose to michigan and don't get it i think that those two pretty much go hand hand in hand in most situations for this or most scenarios this season you said it's an oddly specific scenario it could happen yeah, because could. all you need is three teams to split with each other you still got penn state in that division michigan state michigan still, state yeah. still up there I, I, I could see it happening, but it's just I feel like those two teams are still the cream of the crop. And for the most part, I think that one team might be able to get an upset, like Michigan State might be able to beat Michigan at some point this season. But for the most part, I think it's going to be them two fighting, beating everybody until they eventually meet up. If I had to pick, I'm not going to put money on it because I'm not confident in it, but if I have to, I'd probably say I think Ohio State's going to win that division. So, this you, so you're still confident in Ryan Day? Oh, well, I'm not confident. Well, is, is, in it him. Your, is it your confidence in Ryan Day, or is it your unconfidence, if that's a word, in Michigan? Lack of confidence in Michigan. That, that that's what I was yep. looking for. And Penn State's going to be down. I don't see them doing much this year. Michigan State, at best, they're a nine and three team this year. At very best. Okay. I think they're probably going to go eight and four. I think they're still very solid. They are pretty solid, but they've still got a lot of question marks that they need to answer. They didn't last season. They whiffed on last year when they had such high expectations. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Brian Lurkey. I just don't. I don't know. I don't think it's long I before sh- Lombardi becomes their starting quarterback. I actually know somebody who knew Lurkey in high school, and they said that he's somebody who works tirelessly. Mm-hmm. And you might not think he has the talent, but I think ta- uh, I think hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, right? Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> I tell you what, speaking of which, I know somebody who knows Ian Book, Notre Dame quarterback. Oh, cool. Told me he's a total weirdo. How so? Like, <laughs> do you have any specifics? Yeah, she said she was in class one day and he was just staring at her. That's called love, man. That's not weird. I don't that's think it's weird. love. She said it was just this creepy look on his face. Well, well, the rule, as long as he throws the football. Well, the rule to not being creepy when you stare at a girl is, all right, rule number one, you got to be a seven out of ten. Isn't it? A what? <laughs> we are not going to patronize people on the show. That, that's how you don't be creepy. It's this is it's the it's called the Elon Musk rule, and uh, it's because you've heard like the whole thing with him where he asked his wife out and she said no despite doing something. He did something really romantic, mm-hmm. but then his hairline grew back and he gained you know sixteen billion dollars. So you need to be a seven out of ten. Well, that helps. Or own SpaceX. <laughs> I don't know. As long as he and Book continues to throw a football well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. He made me happy for about nine games last season, that college football playoff. He was not making me happy. The only book making me happy on college football playoff day was the Holy Bible. It was not Ian Book. That's a good uh, one. And a good I'm one. sure I'm going to get a, to use that line a few times here, a few yeah. more Saturdays this year. When you talk about him a lot. 
when I talk about him and Notre Dame. Oh, man, schedule's going to be tough. This year. If they make oh, yeah. it to the playoff this year, no one can say that they don't deserve to be there. In their matchup with Georgia, they I wouldn't say, do you think they have to win? Like, Do you think a success in that game would be them winning, or do you think they could lose and still have a successful game? I think if there's any game that would allow for margin of error, it would be that Georgia game. If they have any chance of getting to the playoff with a loss, that would have to be the loss. So the biggest problem with them last season was that, yeah, they made it to the playoffs, but then they got smoked, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, they shouldn't have been in. So at what point, what would like the margin of error have to be for it still to be considered a good loss, you think? A couple of years ago when they played at Notre Dame Stadium, they lost by one. They lost to Georgia by one. I think something like that, if it comes down to the final possession, maybe even final quarter, I don't think it can be more than a 10-point loss at most. Okay. That's Something fair. like that. But I tell you what, we only have a couple of minutes left, so let's get to this wide receiver debate that we started at the end of the show last week, and we are going to continue into this week. I'm looking forward to this for I'd- seven days. <laughs> you made a Monday in a minute about this, right? Yeah, it's going to be Aaron later tonight. I actually name-dropped Tanner because he just <laughs> made me so angry. I was telling Michael off-air last week about my wish list for my top wide receivers in fantasy football this year because we all have some fantasy football drafts coming up. I put Adam Thielen higher on my wish list than Devontae Adams, and Michael went nuts. (laughs) Michael did not like that at all. So we got into a debate, partly on air, partly off, which wide receiver you would rather have on your team, Adam Thielen or Devontae Adams. All right, you, you, I, I will take the I will take the affirmative here for Adams, uh, uh, as we expected. Yeah, yeah, as we expected. Right? There's a reason he's being drafted as the top wide receiver in fantasy this year. There's a reason. Everybody like as, he's Aaron Rodgers' top target. He's gotten the most red zone targets in the NFL over the last three years. He has the most red zone touchdowns in the NFL over the last three years. Second most touchdowns in the NFL over the last three years, behind only Antonio Brown. And he's only one behind Antonio Brown. He is phenomenal, and now in a system without Jordy Nelson, where he's the only legitimate offensive threat, he's going to rack up the yards. There's a reason he draws so many targets. 1,300 yards last year, second in the, in the NFL in touchdowns. There's a reason he has so many touchdowns. Green Bay doesn't have anybody else. Adam Thielen's not putting up any numbers to sneeze at, and you talk about targets, Adam Thielen is one of the guys that's ahead of him. Yeah, but... You and know, that's there's with another a guy receiving core around him. There's there's a, there's another guy that's stealing a lot of targets. Two guys are stealing a lot of targets, and we're going into a year where uh, Mike Zimmer has said he's going to try to focus a lot more on the run with Dalvin Cook. Mm. As long as Cook can stay healthy, that's going to detract. We know that him. won't happen. <laughs> I mean, we can't. Okay, yeah, sure, you're right on that one. But Devonte Adams, there's a reason that people want him first overall. Mm. He gets he scores. I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. And he's, he's not got, even in your top five. Think about who is in my top five. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Tariq Hill, and Adam Thielen. Devontae Adams was near the top of the league in receptions last year, too. Adam Thielen had more receptions, though. Yeah, but not nearly as many touchdowns. But he was a better deep threat. That doesn't matter when you don't score. Yes, it does. If you can rack up yards more, the more so, yards that you okay. get... So, a lot of that had to do with Mike McCarthy's game plan, too. It was slants and flats all day long. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that Devontae Adams is... Uh, and, well, there's a lot of uh, factors that go into this, but Devontae Adams wasn't very good in terms of yards per target last year. Mm-hmm. He was 50th in the league in yards per target, 8.2 yards per target. 
the only person, the only big name, the only Pro Bowl wide receiver that was behind him was the guy who beat him in touchdowns, Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. When you score a lot of touchdowns, your yards per target decreases because you know there's not many yards to get after the goal line. Because you know there's no yards left. All right. Adams Adams and Antonio Brown last year, and even Eric Ebron, who was also very down on the list, tied with Devontae Adams for the second most touchdowns, they were so far down on the list because when you score, it limits your ability to gain yards. I could buy that, but if you want to limit... The argument to offensive game plan, I could say that Adam Thielen was coached for more than half the year by John DiFilippo. <laughs> <laughs> He's not much of an upgrade. No, I'm, not deni- I'm not denying that Adam Thielen is a phenomenal receiver. I think he makes better spectacular catches. I think he's better at getting into space. But in terms of just maneuvering through tight spaces, getting those touchdown windows when there's 10 yards, you have 8 18 yards of space total, and you have four men in that exact same spot with you, nobody does it better than Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is the best red zone receiver in the NFL right now. I'm not saying his numbers aren't top five worthy. Adam Thielen's numbers aren't far off. I mean, I would agree with you slightly. There's a slight edge for Adams over Thielen numbers-wise. Isn't that all the fantasy's about? But you could make the case that Thielen has done the same or similar. He's on the same tier as Adams with a far less superior quarterback. All I'm saying, man, Pro Bowl caliber numbers in eight games with in uh, yeah in eight games with Brett Hundley as the starting quarterback, six touchdowns, and over se- and over 65 yards per game. My other argument for wanting to pick Thielen, how about durability? That's true. I, I will say that is something that's knocking Devontae Adams, and not to say that Devontae Adams hasn't been uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, but he's got a lot more miles on him in terms of injuries. Yeah, he's Thielen, gotten hit hard, and Thielen played significantly more snaps last season. Yeah. But I tell you what, I would be happy with having Devontae Adams. I'm not trying to knock Devontae I w- Adams. I would take Devontae. Devontae Adams would probably be my second wide receiver to- off the board. Well, if we're talking fantasy, if we're talking like actual football, he'd probably be like sixth or seventh. Okay. In my opinion. All right. But I'd definitely take him still before uh, Adam Thielen. Uh, so, so Julio Jones wouldn't be the guy you would take in fantasy first. Because no, you I talked would- about earlier lack of touchdowns. I, w- I had Julio on my team last year, yeah. and he didn't get a lot of touchdowns. He was still one of my best players. No, he, he'd still be good, but he doesn't have the ceiling that a guy like Devontae Adams or Antonio Brown has, or okay. even DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the key in fantasy, right? For your first two, three picks, you want guys with high ceilings and high floors. You don't want to take anybody that has a possibility of busting. That's why Antonio Brown, guys, don't. Just just don't. Just stay away from him. Just don't. Along with Zeke and Melvin Gordon. Until something gets figured out, stay away, guys. But. How early would you take Antonio Brown? If he falls to you in the seventh round, is oh, that enough? Yes, yeah? absolutely. Okay. If he fell to me in the fifth round. How about Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley? Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's such a high ceiling, man. I know. Odell Beckham, too, but I'm not touching him. Okay, well, He's a head case. Oh, he hasn't had the same, but even with him being a head case in New York, where he was much less happy, he still put up very, very, very good numbers. Mm-hmm. I'd still put him in my top five. I think he's more of a head case now, though. Yeah, I but think he, the Browns themselves but, are going to implode. Yeah, but he's found him. Yeah, but even yeah, so, let's say the Browns aren't a good team next year, which I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not. Mm-hmm. Let's say they go five and eleven on worse teams with worse records and a worse quarterback. He still put up like fourteen hundred yards and eight touchdowns a year. Mm-hmm. That's really, really, really good. Yeah, but he wasn't being the prima donna that he is with Cleveland. I don't think he's being... Uh, he's only, being a prima only donna. slightly more than he was with New York. Only slightly, but he still has set the bar pretty high for himself. But yeah, I'd say Hopkins, Adams, if we're going PPR, Michael Thomas, then Julio Jones. 
who'd round out your top five? Hmm. Probably Mike Evans, honestly. Really? In Bruce Arians' system. Okay. Bruce Arians took the Browns to the playoffs with Tim Couch. <laughs> <laughs> he he does well with quarterbacks. Remember the the Arizona Cardinals were a solid team with Bruce yeah. Arians, and then they imploded without him. I think Jameis Winston's going to take a huge step up this year in terms of just his ability to read the defense and his ability to m- manage a game plan, and it's going to pay dividends for Mike Evans. You could be right, and Arians would be the guy to make that happen. But I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to trust. He, I will say he, he is he quarterback is, by Jameis Winston. He still has a big risk attached to him, Mike mm-hmm. Evans. But I think even still his his floor even with Jameis Winston being as bad as he has been, is still really, really, really good. I could buy that. Yeah. But I'd still go Tariq Hill. Oh, that's a good one too, yeah. <laughs> I know he's kind of a dud, but, man, he's so fast, and his quarterback is too good. Yeah, but he's going to take a step back. Mahomes is going to step back. I don't know. You think he's going to reach 50, 50 again? Oh, that? No. Just how could he? You know, yeah, I don't exactly. think it means he's going to take a step back. I think last year well, was just unfathomably good. I think in the – I mean, he has a worse run game now, right? I don't. I'm not so sure about that. Well, we, I trust Damian Williams. Really, I think he could have a really he's, good year. He's had not had a good, not had a good uh, training camp. Yeah. So, in fact, some people are saying Carlos Hyde might take it. I trust Carlos Hyde, but I trust Damian Williams. I think he could be a real sleeper this year. Oh, he's going to be yeah. if you if he falls to the third round, folks. Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you with that. We're out of time. Anything you want to plug here in the final couple minutes? Well, of course, we got the Monday Minute coming out later today. And uh, this Friday, I finally got that thing set up that I wanted to do where uh, where we, you know, and the new football players, right? Mm -hmm. They're good at football. Yeah. So we're going to see just how good their teammates think they are at football. (laughs) And then we're going to figure out just how good they are at their real life skills. Because they're in college, man. It's going to be a fun little thing, man. It's probably going to air Monday, but we're going to be filming it on Friday. Danner Hoops, John Michael Hofling of ABC10 here in Marquette with you. We are back on tomorrow again. We are at Riverside Auto. Come check us out on location, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It is my hope to see you there, and it's my hope to have you tuned in. Until tomorrow, I'm Tanner Hoops.